healing not just from a psychological standpoint, but we're healing from a soulful and spiritual standpoint. Because what I would say is for many men, the challenges that we hear that men are facing today and many men are suffering in silence is a lot of men are in spiritual crisis. You know, and where, where, when I go into many different faith traditions, I see a majority of women, in, especially in churches, and I don't see as many men. And I actually had a conversation with Marianne Williamson once, and I was at one of her uh, experiences at my church in New York, mm-hmm. and I, I went up to her when she was at my speaking at my seminary, and I said, so, so I noticed it was about 85% women and about 15% men in your audience. I said, where do men go for spiritual growth? Hey everyone, it's Amy Lynn Durham, and you're listening to Create Magic at Work. Create Magic at Work is on a mission to equip senior leaders with tools they need to be a true quantum leader and actually understand what that means. Improve employee engagement, retain top talent, and transform your workplace culture to have less drama and stress. So let's start making magic. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Create Magic at Work. We are in season five, and I just finished being a co-guest with this guest coming up, Sean Harvey, on another podcast with Hummingbird Humanity. And I basically finished that conversation and said, Sean, I need you to be a guest on the Create Magic at Work podcast and share your message and wisdom with the magic listeners. So Sean has uh, graciously accepted. Let me share a little bit about Sean with everybody before uh, we get into it. He is the chief compassion officer and founder of the Warrior Compassion Men's Studio. His work in personal, organizational, and societal transformation is inspired by 25 years of organization development consulting combined with his past and current academic affiliations at Cornell University, New York University, Baruch College, and George Washington University. In 2021, Sean received the Saul A. Silverman Award for Conflict Resolution and Healing from the International Organization Development Association for his healing work with men in hypermasculine systems. This is why Sean's on today. <laughs> As an interfaith minister, he co-founded Project Compassion, a national initiative to deepen compassion in police departments. Sean is also a TEDx speaker with his talk, Compassion Makes the Warrior. His website, we'll just say it right now, is warriorcompassion.com, and we'll have all that in the show notes later on. So, Sean, welcome to Create Magic at Work. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I really want to note for everyone listening, this was a really unique experience on how Sean and I uh, connected Brian McComick, who is a former guest on the Create Magic at Work podcast, you can go back and listen to um, his episode, which was really informative, introduced the Sean and I. And we hopped on Zoom because we were going to be on, on Brian's show. And we started talking and we discovered that we had some mutual connections, one being Dr. Judy Neal, who was my mentor this year with the Edgewalker program. And then, Sean, you worked with uh, Dr. Judy in the past when you worked for Eileen Fisher. And I Mm -hmm. wanted you to share a little bit about your past position at Eileen Fisher and maybe a little bit about the work or the article that you did with Dr. Judy and and about spirituality in the workplace. Mm -hmm. You could kind of elaborate on those things. 
Sure. I worked for Eileen Fisher for five years. I left career consulting on Wall Street and as a college professor. And on my 40th birthday, I gave it all up. And within two weeks was interviewing with Eileen Fisher, the fashion company. I started out as the internal change agent for creative and ultimately became the head of personal transformation and well-being for the company. In that, that time, <laughs> it was it was it was an amazing role. And um, we took our employees and our leaders through powerful work around the Enneagram, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. ego relaxation, limiting beliefs, shadow work went through around somatic work, contemplative practices, and uh, spirituality and mindfulness. So let me just interject right there that can you, when was this? This was, let's see, this was probably about seven or eight years ago. So I, I highlight that because I want everybody listening to hear how amazing that is, that this company, this fashion company, Eileen Fisher, was helping their teams with shadow work, with recognizing the ego and how to maybe not have it in the driver's seat as much mm -hmm. and also helping with mindset, with limiting beliefs. So to me, that feels really cutting edge that you were doing that eight years ago uh, mm -hmm. within an organization and that that organization was allowing that. And, and were they embracing it? Like what was the environment the when you were doing that? No, they were embracing it. It was something that Eileen, she is a person, mm -hmm. that Eileen believed full heartedly in that if we focus on the personal transformation and growth of our employees, they will be better performers. And so it was really doing more of the inner work mm -hmm. um, and moving beyond a lot of the superficial leadership work that we often see in organizations to a much deeper dive around where's the shadow, where's the ego, where's the wounding, and where's the potential for healing, for integration, and coming into our best selves. Yeah. So what were some of the results that you saw from approaching things that way? The first was, one, doing this, it wasn't your typical or traditional leadership development or professional development experience. Mm-hmm. And so uh, employees and leaders were discovering things about themselves they couldn't even imagine in the workplace. They were having conversations in a safe way, but looking at themselves through a different lens. And they were finding these moments and these, these epiphanies of liberation of really helping themselves become, come into a better version of themselves and to really walk into their essence versus staying in their shadow. And mm -hmm. having, having an understanding of those distinctions. Hmm. And I would say, I would add to that, let me know if this is accurate, that due to that leadership development, hmm. the company had more engaged employees and did better versus what you called training um, or, or developing others with superficial leadership hmm. type trainings. Can you explain to us what you feel superficial leadership type trainings are or development things are? Mm -hmm. Just as some That's examples. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I from now I've been doing leadership development work for many for a few decades. Mm -hmm. I also was a college professor teaching leadership management 
And there's something about where we won't go, what mm. we feel is off limits. And we stay, we stay conscious, we stay aware of the leadership practices, but we're really staying at the behavior change level. We're staying at the head. And I think the distinction is when you start mm. to allow for a different level of visceral experience of your emotions. I think oftentimes we intellectualize our emotions, especially still in leadership, because mm -hmm. that's where it's safe. But to go to the place of true vulnerability and be able to experience our emotions in a different way, experience our stories in a different way, and, and discover our truth in a different way, this is what becomes powerful when we think about how to show up as leaders in terms of how do we engage teams, how do we build bridges, and how do we bring deeper humanity into our organizational systems? Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it just it gives a permission to go places that are deeper, both in our in our own development and our team dynamics and the ways that we think about and view our organizational systems mm -hmm. by being able to do this work on a deeper level. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So what led you to transition or how did it happen on your journey where now you are working with men, you work with men right. and you help, I mean, correct all my verbiage if I'm wrong, but you help with hyper masculinity. Mm -hmm. You help, you help with that. And when I look at that from my lens, I say, oh, this is great because we are working in systems that might be a little toxic from hypermasculinity, especially in the corporate space. I think there's been an invitation for some more healthy feminine type energy to come in and, and balance that out. So what one, what is that work about? And a little bit more about what led you to that work. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'll start there. Mm hmm. There were probably two or three touch points that led me there. First, Eileen Fisher was built on feminine leadership and a feminine energy in its own business model. And it was performing at a high level uh, in terms of um, from, from a revenue perspective, from an employee engagement perspective, from an employee retention perspective, and a quality of life perspective. It was hitting all the marks. It was rated as the best company to work for 11 years in a row for mid-sized organizations. And when I came, when I arrived, so there, there are a couple points in my own story. Uh, my first day on the job after an eight-month interview process, my two bosses sat me down and they said, Sean, we, we want to just acknowledge that you have proven yourself in the interview process. We now want you to stop proving yourself and learn how to be who you actually are. When you interviewed with us, you showed us your heart and you showed us your polish. We hired you for your heart and we want to see less of your polish. Wow. We want to see you unfiltered. So that was the first of like, whoa, okay, who says this? What a gift, right? In the corporate space for a right? mentor to tell you that? Amazing. Yeah. And then second, I was sent to an artist commune in Canada for five months to learn how to incorporate the arts into creative facilitation. And it was there that I, I realized, sort of through a visualization experience on that first Sunday morning, that this is my work. My work was to work with men. 
And in doing so, um, I had also started noticing how men were being transformed in the organization. Um, and so what I, what I would hear when I talked to men is I would say, hey, you know, I, I feel like I'm changing. Are you changing? What are you noticing? And, and they would say, well, my wife said, and we usually started with my wife said or my girlfriend said, started to, to listen differently. I started to be more patient. I started to, I didn't, I no longer needed to be right all the time. And I could, I learned to start being more curious. I started to have more access to my emotional expression. And I started to tap into my creativity differently. And I was solving problems in a more creative way. But the, the big push was what I noticed. Men would say, I feel more comfortable in my own skin. And the culture is allowing me. And I think that's that point of liberation. Mm-hmm. So these, these, these combination of going to the artist commune, seeing men's stories, I just knew that I, I needed to be able to do this, to do this work. Mm-hmm. And then the next piece is going back to your mention of, of Dr. Judy Neal. Mm-hmm. We, we had actually uh, co-authored an article called Nurturing the Soul of the Company at Eileen Fisher. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at them. what does workplace spirituality look like and what does workplace spirituality look like at Eileen Fisher? And, and one, of the, one of the points that, was, that stood, stood out to me, you have to imagine Eileen created a company that started at $350 and turned into a $450 million a year business. And when, when people ask, what is, that the, what is the soul of the company? And, and employees would say, Eileen. Mm-hmm. And they would say, Eileen values the deep intuitive knowing more than empirical based data. Mm. She wasn't looking for us to quantify. She would follow her deeper intuition in the ways she would make decisions. And that led to a culture that was simple in design, that uh, focused on generosity and compassion, that was ordain- organic in nature and really spurred creativity. Mm-hmm. And all the while keeping a, a highly engaged workforce um, with a very strong culture of generosity. Yeah. I mean, I learned from Dr. Judy that the, the skill of an edge walker of sensing the future, there's three components. One is data collection from the past. The second is that intuitive knowing that you're speaking about or what some people even call a gut instinct, right? Following that. And then Mm -hmm. the third is that creative, positive visualization. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, when we talk about the souls of companies and organizations, a lot of times, I think that second piece is missing in these hyper-masculine environments, which is the intuition, that intuitive knowing, the gut instinct, the creative, positive visualization, maybe. That's in, in a lot of leadership definitely data collection from the past, right? I mean, that's heavy, heavily used. So I love that you highlight that middle piece as a very strong component for cultivating compassion and and all of the things that help a workplace thrive. I'm curious to get into, oh, go ahead, Sean. What I I would say though, to the first point is there's a distinction when we look at the past from looking at the data versus understanding the stories. And I think that that the the art of storytelling and understanding our past that was very prevalent at Eileen Fisher. They 
the the stories of Eileen Fisher, the 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 milestones, the the um, the symbolism of it. Those, I think, are aspects that create and strengthen an organizational culture. I think because that 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 helps to create that visceral connection versus that intellectual connection. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank you for putting that in. I love everything about what you just said. Storytelling is huge right now. Everyone's talking about it. I think mm-hmm. it needs to be done in the right way and utilized right. in a way that connects each other where we see the humanity in each other. So thanks for sharing that. I really, I want to dive into how you work with men today. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear about your work and how you're doing it and share that a little bit, because I know you work with police, like I mentioned in your bio, and um, you also do some work, correct me if I'm wrong, with white supremacists in helping them cultivate compassion. And I'm curious how these individuals step into this work. How do you find these individuals that want to do the work? Um, is it like a remedial thing <laughs> that the company's paying for? You know, I'm just curious about all the, you know, how do you, who are your clients? What's the avatar? Are they invited to step into the work? Do they want to change? What, what does that look like? Maybe you can story tell a little bit for us. So I think we're going to go, this is where we go to the magic. You know, I think the magic is, I, I don't seek any of this out. I don't go out saying, this is who I want to work with. What I find is this is who is attracted to me. Mm-hmm. So men, organizations that have deep trauma, mm-hmm. men who possess hyper-masculine mindsets or are in hyper-masculine systems, you know, I think there is a, a yearning that my energy creates an invitation. Mm-hmm. So I find that the more I walk the spiritual path, the more what where I am meant to serve finds me versus me finding finding it. And I just have an openness and I think I've done the work to move from one scarcity to abundance and receiving versus seeking. And so those are I think those are big distinctions in this. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just give you an example, you know. In the last three weeks since finishing my book, Mm -hmm. I'm now working in human trafficking Mm -hmm. and have just been asked to work with prison inmates in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've just found an organization that works with recovering hate group extremists. And these are becoming more of, I think, the web of, Mm -hmm. of where I work. And then I also am working in finance with foreign banks and I'm, I'm working with insurance companies. And so I'm, I, I really am going to environments that are traditionally masculine mm-hmm. and the yearning is for compassion. The yearning is for what I, when I talk about the work of spirituality in the workplace, um, I really translated it to, it's just the concepts of love, compassion, and deeper humanity. Mm-hmm. And that we're bringing deeper humanity into these organizational systems and into these communities and into these mindsets. And so the work, what it translates into is creating, facilitating spaces 
in the emergent, in the unknown, and building bridges. You know, I, I find that what I do more often than not is I'm building bridges in community. I'm helping groups of individuals move from individual consciousness to collective consciousness to collective wisdom to solve problems and solve challenges and and division from a different perspective that is yeah. coming from a place of, of, of higher consciousness. So I want to go back a little bit. What? Yeah. Okay, so can you describe for us... Hmm? What are some characteristics of a hyper-masculine workplace or environment that you would, what would you say are some characteristics for that? I would say it's, it's typically male-dominated. There is not a lot of room for emotion. There's not a lot of room for compassion. Compassion is still seen as a weakness. It's not seen as uh, a strength or essential. It holds it holds a value of more of the of the data, holds more of the value of the hard skills versus the softer skills, and doesn't necessarily create the environments that are truly inclusive of all voices. Okay, hmm. yeah, I think that's a really great framing of that. So in an environment like that, what is the downside to being in a hyper-masculine environment? I mean, I know you said the characteristics, but like, why is it not that great to be in an environment that doesn't have emotion or cherish compassion? So we, you know, the Surgeon General just came out with a report that we, as as a nation, are experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. Mm. And, and I, I think first and foremost, hypermasculine systems do not allow for deeper connection with ourselves, with others, with, with, with our truth. Mm-hmm. So I think that's first and foremost. I think another cost is, or, or another challenge of hypermasculine systems, besides the deep connection, is that the systems are often focused on fairness, but don't don't take into account the individuality of what people need to meet them where they are. It's often a one-size-fits-all approach. And they, I mean, quite honestly, these systems were built by men. They support and give preference to men and haven't been built to really elevate and hold the voices of women and perspectives of women. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges that we're experiencing as we talk about this work is for men who, you know, two things are happening. When we start to, you know, the the world, you know, as I've been told, the world continues to feminize. We, We elevate the feminine as we talk about these things like empathy and compassion and community and deeper connection. And the question is, how do we do this in a way without emasculating men in the process? And I think the the two things are often um, ignited these days, which is as the the rules and roles and norms around masculinity, manhood, gender, power dynamics, and even the ways we lead are challenging men to look at things differently. And when it's, 
much of this is so deeply ingrained for men in particular that it's asking them to change the way they think about their own identity. And then the other part is there's such little room for the feminine that it's a scary proposition to say, let's tap into it. And, and what I often say is it is only through the feminine that we can heal and strengthen the masculine. So we can come into our integrated selves. We can come into our whole selves and we can have the versatility that we need as men to be able to navigate a world that is becoming more chaotic, more complex, with more challenges that require us to have a different level of agility and a different level of adaptability to be able to navigate the world in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like taking the hyper. It's just like removing the hyper out of it, <laughs> right. Right? right? Just And just like marrying the two in a beautiful, balanced way. And in in what maybe someone's carrying within the, that energy that they're carrying within themselves. And I think what showed me, gave me a sense of the path that I was on was going from the hyper-masculine environment of Wall Street to the hyper-feminine environment of Eileen Fisher and saying, neither of these is the ideal. But what if we took the best of the masculine and the best of the feminine and created something that's more integrated? For, for, and ultimately, you know, you can, you can challenge this because it's still in a binary, but flip side of it is it's on a continuum that when integrated brings us into our full, fuller humanity. And isn't that ultimately what we all want is to be able to tap into our humanity in, in a richer way and to experience each other from a place of greater humanity. I agree with you. And I, I'm thinking of, you know, the leader listener that, that might be listening. And it's kind of like, well, what does that even mean tapping into humanity? Like, what does that do for me? Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is just coming to me right now. This is yeah. a lot of clients that I work with at times feel they're missing vitality in life. Mm -hmm. I think that can, that can speak to that too. Like bringing that vitality back, like, I am enjoying being a human being and I'm enjoying connecting with other people and learning about them and their stories. You know, it's like the, uh, the Dr. Angelis Arian, um, when did you stop being enchanted by stories? When did you stop singing? Yeah. When did you stop all those things? When did you stop dancing? And so I would say that's part of what we're talking about with this whole humanity right. thing. And well, I think it's, don't go ahead. No, go ahead, Sean. I think it's right. I think when I talk about humanity, it's really reclaiming the parts of ourselves that we've rejected over the course of our lives through our conditioning. Love it. And yeah. especially for men who have lost that, as you say, the lost the, the connection to creativity, lost the connection to connection. Mm -hmm. you know, we often have an intellectualized ideal of love. And yet because of the limitations of how we feel, we may have an intellectualized versus a visceral experience of being able to experience love. And I would say on that topic, many of us, when we're in our wounding, hold on to love from a place of love with conditions, because that's what we've been taught, and moving to a place of unconditional love. 
And mm-hmm. these are the aspects that I think connect with our humanity. So yes, vitality I see as a part of our humanity that 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 brings us into our wholeness, where we can experience so much more mm-hmm. than some of the limitations or some of what comes with our constricted identities, the protective layers we've put on that we we hold back from really expressing ourselves or even seeing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shove parts of us down because we're afraid of being judged or shamed or all of those things. And then we're not showing up as our full self. So then we're not feeling fully human. So then we don't feel vitality in life. And then it's like this snowball effect, right? I'm curious with the men that you work with in these hyper-masculine situations, what are what are some of the breakthroughs that you see or the transformation? Like what, when they walk away from these experiences with you facilitating um, mm-hmm. them with them, what, what does that look like when the hyper is removed? Mm-hmm. The first, the first thing I notice is, you know, what I often hear is, oh, I didn't know that we could, I could even have these conversations. I didn't know that I could uh, express these, my, these thoughts or, or share so openly with a group of other men. That's first. Mm-hmm. Second, I think there's an intimacy that happens among men that men are not used to. And so being able to have that deep connection with other men and be able to share and, and express vulnerability and realize they're not alone, right? And then I would say the third piece is to actually look at some of the ways we're wounded and, and realize that's not our deficits. We are not broken, but we are wounded. And there's a big difference. It's a big difference. I think for a lot of men, the idea is we have to fix the problem versus heal the wound. Mm. They're very, two very different processes fix the problem is in the masculine and heal the heal the wound is in the feminine. Mm. Then I think it's what opens up when you start to have those acknowledgements, either, you know, bringing in a, a to the vitality piece, bringing in a different level of play, different mm-hmm. level of, of seeing the world differently, being able to express emotionally in relationship and seeing marriages become stronger because there's a different level of connection. Seeing leaders perform better because they're able to create a different type of engagement with their employees and being able to be better fathers, you know? Just that the huge ripple effect there is uh, amazing. I'm just so fascinated by your work. I'm like asking you all these. (laughs) So So next question your book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Tell us the title and tell us if we grab a copy when it's going to be out and um, what we'll take away from it. Maybe a takeaway that we can't live without. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the title is Warrior Compassion, mm-hmm. Unleashing the Healing Power of Men. It will come out in late September, or early October. And you'll be able to get it off of Amazon. And what you'll walk away with, ultimately, men will learn how to love in a new way. Wow. And so it's, it's, it's really designed as, you know, the flow 
to be able to expand expand our capacity as men, our ability to love. And what happens when we're able to love in a new way? How does that translate in the ways we lead? How does that translate in the ways we're in relationship? How does that translate in the ways we see our organizations? And how does that translate in the ways we show up in society? So again, going back to the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. But it's that journey. It's that journey to learn how to love in a new way. So the way it's broken down is first, we unpack and understand our stories. Second, how do we ground so we're able to be anchored for the journey? How do we be in in an inquiry in the journey? And how do we walk a soul healing path? So we are healing not just from a psychological standpoint, but we're healing from a soulful and spiritual standpoint. Because what I would say is for many men, the challenges that we hear that men are facing today and many men are suffering in silence is a lot of men are in spiritual crisis. You know, and where, where, when I go into many different faith traditions, I see a majority of women, in, especially in churches, and I don't see as many men. And I actually had a conversation with Marianne Williamson once, and I was at one of her uh, experiences at my church in New York, mm-hmm. and I, I went up to her when she was at my speaking at my seminary, and I said, so, so I noticed it was about 85% women and about 15% men in your audience. I said, where do men go for spiritual growth? And she said, well, Sean, this is your calling. So this is your problem to figure out. (laughs) But what she said was, there are many men that will come up to me after I I speak and they'll say they can't hear the message through me. And so I think it's in what I find. And that's why I started creating men's soul adventures where I take men out into outdoor adventures where we have deeper male bonding and soul connecting conversations. Uh, and there are a number of men who, who, who come to those events. Mm-hmm. And so I find that we don't have as many outlets for men to what I call experience and engage in practical spirituality for dudes. Mm-hmm. We either have very woo woo or mm-hmm. very rigid, but we don't really have just offering men space to be in an inquiry for them to explore their questions around. And what I often say is the philosophical existential or spiritual awakening conversations, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Or just the deeper sense of meaning for my life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to, we're, I'm going to keep going. I know we're a little over on time. I have one more question before we go to pulling a card for everyone Mm -hmm. listening and for you. Okay. If you could leave everyone with, a tip or what you feel, you know, something like a micro step, right? Cause this can feel big for, for people mm-hmm. at times. Like how do we even do this? If you could leave us with a micro tip or a step, what would be something that you would consider is compassionate leadership? Mm. I was going to, so where I, where I thought you were taking the conversation, I was going to say, I think it's surrendering control. But where you took the conversation or where you took the question, I think it's activate curiosity. First and foremost is be curious. Um, Be curious about someone else's experience. And when you find yourself agitated or you find yourself impatient or you find yourself lacking compassion, 
ask yourself what's going on within me that's creating this agitation. It has nothing to do with the person in front of you that's, that's pissing you off. It's all about looking within to say, okay, what's being activated here? What's mm-hmm. being activated with me? And that, that often is the starting place. And, and what is this person reflecting back to me that I need to look at? Thank and you. that's often the starting place for the shadow. Such a good starting place. Curiosity. I stay curious. I ask meaningful questions. That's going to remove us out of judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Like a little bit more and more with that practice. And yeah, what's this agitate? I have this emotional charge that's not of equal comparison to the maybe what's going on here. So what's what's within me that this is coming up? Shadow. Love it. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Sean. Okay, I'm going to pull a card for you and for everyone listening. It's a message Mm -hmm. meant for us from the universe today, no matter when you're listening to this. (laughs) This this hardly ever comes up. We got reward. You must be working hard, Sean. It must be because you finished your book. (laughs) Yeah, the affirmation is, I take time to reward myself for the work that I accomplish. So this Mm -hmm. is a call from the universe for everyone listening, if you haven't taken a pause to recognize how far you've come or to do something to reward yourself for the work that you've accomplished, it's the universe is saying, we're going to press the pause button here and it's time to reward yourself for the work that you've accomplished. The question is really, I think I answered it for you, but I'm going to ask it for you. What are you proud of that you've accomplished? Mm. I'm not going to say the book. Yeah, good. <laughs> I think I think what I'm proud of is the journey that led to the book. Ooh, I love that. I think what when I when I had sent the final time to the publisher, uh, I broke down in tears because I realized this was a ten year journey in the making that was culminating with this book. But I think the first first thing I'm proud of is that I I. I listened to my inner knowing. I left Wall Street and took the job at Annie Fisher from a place of deep intuitive knowing. Mm. And that was the the yes that transformed the entire trajectory of my life. I could have stayed miserable. I could have stayed um, unfulfilled. I could have stayed in my addiction. I could have stayed in all the different things that came from playing the game um, and living living in my mask. Mm. And it was the journey at Eileen Fisher that brought me into my own truth, that brought me to a place of, of, of self-acceptance and being comfortable living in my own skin, walking into my fears and trying things that showed me who I really was. And so I think if I were to say one thing that I'm, I'm most proud of, it's saying yes and, and walking into the unknown. Risk taking mm-hmm. in that in that authentic way. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, Sean, share your book title one more time for everyone because this is going to air when it comes out. So we're going to drop the link in the show notes. Wonderful. Warrior Compassion, Unleashing the Healing Power of Men. Unleashing the Healing Power of Men. Thank you so much for being a guest on Create Magic at Work. And thank you for sending magic to everyone today. Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Do you have this feeling that you were called to do something very special and important in the world? Do you consciously tune into something higher than yourself for guidance and inspiration? Have you had mystical or spiritual experiences that have provided guidance in your everyday life and work? If you answered yes to those three questions, then you are a fit for a Create Magic at Work coaching program. If you're looking to explore new frontiers in your personal and professional life, I invite you to consider stepping into one of my coaching programs. I specialize in helping people step outside of their comfort zone and embrace the unknown. Whether you're looking to launch a new business venture, navigate a major life transition, or simply push yourself to reach new heights, I can help you achieve your goals. Please schedule a complimentary consultation with me at createmagicatwork.net. Click on work with Amy, and I can't wait to see you. Sending magic to you. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming back every week to listen to a new episode of Create Magic at Work and really helping to support and advocate for healthy leaders, workplaces, and lives for all of us. If you want any information on how to connect with me, click on the link in the show notes. You'll get access to all of the social media links for Create Magic at Work. Stay following along for more amazing episodes where we help you improve productivity and profitability in the workplace and decrease stress. Sending magic to everyone and see you next time.